This is Coda Radio, episode 508, recorded on March 13th, 2023. Hey friend, welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and joining us perched once again back at his microphone of action, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. You know, Chris, uh, I have to report an actual miracle. Like, this is like touched by an angel. If that angel was financial incompetence. It, it, I was like resurrected. Nothing fuels my soul. Like the burning of banks. One, it just starts happening and all of a sudden they're like, Mr. Dominic, what are you doing? Get back in the bed. And you're like, no, I, I feel incredible. Mr. Dominic, we're, we're not ready to discharge you yet. And you're like, no, no, I must podcast. And here you are. It, it, it was like two in the morning last night. I'm laying in bed. Then I, it was like the bat signal. I'm like, I feel I sense a disturbance in the forest. Well, that was that was because I had a bat signal put outside your place. Oh, well, I, I appreciate it. Why does it look like Jar Jar? I think you know why it looks like Jar Jar. So then I, then I do what all normal, healthy dads do. I turn on CNBC. And of course, it is five in the morning, so you're in the, the weird like end of the Asia block. And, you know, they are like Squawk Box Asia, right? The looks of terror that I got to witness, I was lapping it up like a dog. I, I really, this is, I, I'm declaring it schadenfreude day. Now I see why you want to put the feedback in the next episode, because we just got to get right into this. We got to talk about, this is crazy. This is a crazy morning. I've been up since 3 a.m. watching the news. Do you know, in the, since we uh, slacked each other this morning, more value has been lost since opening bell this morning, (laughs) which it's roughly noon. I'm on the East Coast, right? So, so was New York. Then since the 70s, all because, well, we should maybe... Um, you should maybe just say what happened. Should we back up? Yeah. We All right. Back so up. as we are recording on Monday, the 13th of March, 2023, of course, by the time you're hearing this Wednesday, you'll have a bit more information than we do now. But over the weekend, um, the U.S. government moved in, took control of Silicon Valley Bank, which is the heart of VC funding for Silicon Valley. And as of Monday, start of market, has guar- the U.S. has guaranteed all deposits in Silicon Valley Bank, even those above $250,000, all deposits will be backed by the U.S. government. Of course. And they've launched a brand new bailout program that has a new name that's really exciting. It's called the Bank Term Funding Program. The BTFP, which has now been launched as a new tool by the Federal Reserve, offers loans up to one year in length to banks in general or savings associations, credit unions and other eligible depository institutions pledging U.S. treasuries. So they'll buy U.S. debt and the government will then buy assets from these institutions at a discounted rate, but will actually, the bank, the Federal Reserve will actually pay full market price. So say you have, just to make it easy to understand, say you have an asset now because you're underwater and you need to sell it. The market would be willing to pay 80 cents. The Federal Reserve will pay a full dollar. And uh, you, of course, get to bank that extra profit. It's not a bailout, though. It's just them guaranteeing that everyone can withdraw their funds, even above $250,000, and it'll be paid for by the federal government. And they're just guaranteeing that they'll buy your assets that are underwater for the fair market value or above and pay you a little extra. But it's not a bailout. They're just giving you money and covering your deposits. But that's definitely not a bailout. So, so the weird shenanigans here, right, just to wind it back, is... If you've ever been to a bank, which I'm going to assume everybody has, because 
how did you not? You'll notice there's that little gold plaque, FDIC, each account, each depositor, a quarter million dollars, right? You're insured, which means if the crazy guy who runs the bank just like, you know, blows it up somehow, which they like to do, it's it's just kind of their thing. Uh, the federal government, the FDIC, will guarantee you dollar for dollar. So meaning, let's say you're, I don't know, let's say you have like $20,000 in a savings account, right? And, you know, Jar Jar Bank goes under because a bank run by Jar Jar wouldn't last a week. The government's going to give you $20,000. It's guaranteed. The catch in that is, uh, for whatever reason, the Biden administration has decided, even though the explicit legal guarantee is a quarter million dollars, they're going to make that number effectively infinite. For example, a company called Circle, who is amazingly in crypto, they're very big, has $3.3 billion in this bank, this Silicon Valley bank that's closing, that is being uh, apparently guaranteed by the federal government. Well, can we can we pause? Just I, I see where you're going. And yeah, it's just infinite money, basically, they're promising. But let's pause right here. And we have to, before we go too much further, I think we have to address an elephant in the room. You just touched on it. Silicon Valley Bank was screwing around with a ton of crypto and green tech projects that never, ever had a shot of making a profit, right? So there is a big level of personal responsibility by the leadership of Silicon Valley that happened here. Like the fact that they were so integral to this ecosystem should have been better mitigated. There should have been more diversity. These supposed financial capital geniuses who call themselves capital allocators that make markets weren't smart enough to do the math and to further risk a little bit. Like you think about what these guys were involved in and because they specialized in VC funding, they gave loans to businesses that wouldn't otherwise qualify. Right. That comes with it a whole series of problems because now those founders, well, they need mortgages. They need car loans. They need lines of credit. And Silicon Valley does all of that. And it all stays inside the Silicon Valley bank. Which is hyper unusual, right? So, uh, I bank with a regular bank because I'm in Florida. It's a regional bank here. They would not ever, I can guarantee you, give anybody a, a mortgage who is like, hey, I'm a startup founder. All my assets are basically stock options. Can you let me buy this You know, $400,000 house? They would say no. <laughs> they would just be like, no, thank you. Right. Uh, Silicon Valley, they were taking warrants on people's shares, which is wild because like, and we're not talking just the, the consumer stuff was even crazier it's like this weird thing where you had to be in the in the club in the area um there's some bacon that a few well-known vcs may have just like got scared and put a bullet through their head uh peter Thiel took like what was it, like 40 billion dollars out of them immediately just all his companies all his investments his own firms his uh, founders fund just we i want to be a little careful right they didn't do anything corrupt this is not like a sam bakeman freed like it's just lies it's not just lies svb took on a lot of risk they did some silly stuff and and they also they built a business around the assumption that rates would stay low that's the killer right yeah and that they wouldn't raise rates so fast the fed wouldn't raise rates so fast and then because they built their business around that they had like a they had like 120 bill in bonds it's just that when they needed to go sell those bonds and the rates are where they're at they took a big loss on bonds. Well, they were a fourth seller. They had to sell to repay depositors. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of kicked this whole process off. 
word began to circulate that there was issues because Silicon Valley is a bunch of tight insiders. It's really incestuous. They start sending each other private messages. Then Silicon Valley Bank goes out, puts its portfolio public, and actually looks for funding from Silicon Valley insiders. And when they did that, when the bank started looking for that funding, the insiders all started texting each other, and it created a bank run. And a big group of Silicon Valley billionaires that are all tight and on Slack with each other and on, on WhatsApp and whatnot all freaked each other out. And then those management firms that are run by those billionaires started calling their individual firms that they manage, that they own through their VC funding, basically, and started telling them to withdraw their funds. And within a matter of hours, something like nearly $50 billion was, was withdrawn from the bank. Classic bank run. It's a classic bank run. That's why I kind of want to dis, uh, distinguish it from the uh, SPF stuff, or I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, because yeah, it's, it's different, right? It, it is right. a little, so I know I kind of had, a, I think, a different take than you. I okay. sort of feel like the 13-year or 12-year zero interest rate bender that we've been on and is going to hurt. This is the withdrawals, right? This is going to hurt a lot. I think this, actually, I think this is why you and I originally first started talking about rate hikes and unemployment is because the second and third order effects that we we're afraid of, this is, this is it. This is exactly what I think motivated us to start talking about it in the first place on the show. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you just like the, the whole environment is different now, right? It is, you know what? There's a lot less, I call it drunk fund money doing R and D projects, right? People are cutting mercilessly. Um, I agree with Scott Galloway when he says boards and, you know, VC backed companies and big companies are basically looking for any reason to fire people or to let them go. Right. And you can kind of thank Uncle Elon for some of this. The fact that Twitter still runs with what is it like a third of the staff now? It's uh, I, I, I don't think he'll get credit, but I think he's he's in many ways like a spiritual trendsetter here of the honestly, the curbing of the excesses. Right. I think I said that back in December or something. I really think it's if the market gets rough, what Elon did will be looked at as a model. And I don't think it'll be called the Elon model. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. But they'll look at it and go, well, look at this. They're still kicking. Yeah. This is going to fundamentally alter the flow of VC money. Silicon Valley was a circular economy for the VCs. And because everything was just between accounts, funds could get moved around with some considerable ease. And Basically, every VC firm, even if Silicon Valley wasn't their main bank, had millions of dollars in there because they inevitably would have to move money in there and move it around in order to participate in that circular economy. This means now there's going to be a while while the market figures out where that money goes, and it's not going to be as cheap as Silicon Valley Bank. Also, no doubt. One of the second order effects of this is going to be a lot more regulations for smaller banks, which will drive up costs for average consumers and small businesses. This ultimately will screw small business owners because they'll have less access to capital as a result of this. You can already see it beginning to happen. Um, there's already calls for the regulation on the smaller banks. Silicon Valley Bank was the 18th bank, 18th largest bank. The 18th largest bank begun to fail. Not completely, right? Like what happened is the FDIC stepped in and halted their withdrawals and stopped the process and then took over over the weekend. And then by Monday, we have this. But the reason President Biden said it this morning was because it proposed systemic risk to the banking industry, to the financial industry. 
And I just would like to raise the question of how the hell our system can be so brittle that the 18th bank having issues, having liquidity problems, can cause the entire Western financial system to collapse. And it begun over the weekend to create systemic issues in the UK as well. I think it was HEB that stepped in and bought Silicon Valley Bank's branch over there for a symbolic $1. Or a <laughs> it was like a buck and pound. some change. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, and our, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, this is incredible. The 18th bank in the United States can cause a financial collapse that could potentially spread across Western nations. It's pretty brittle. That's pretty pathetic. And so it really puts the screwing around that these VCs were doing in perspective, in my opinion. And now these sons of bitches just got a bailout. These rich bastards are getting a bailout. Well, you can't call out that scene. I know you you. I can't stand it. And, and it really drives me crazy because what we got was years of loose money where the Cotillion effect made all of these people closest to the hose, the richest. Then they turn around and they dump money into moonshot projects that never made a profit, that never had an opportunity to make a profit. And because the money was so loosey-goosey, we never really invested in proper leadership. So now we have tens of thousands, if not more, of extremely untalented people in this profession, in this industry, who are just deadweight anchors on all of these companies. And everybody out there who's in a business with 200 or more people, or maybe even 100 people, knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know you've got deadweight in your company, and you know it just gets worse the larger these companies are. And instead of having a corrective event that comes in and cleans this up, makes America Silicon Valley more competitive, cleans up corporate America culture, we just bail out the rich and the taxpayers ultimately will pay the price, despite what the administration is saying. There's no such thing as a free lunch, and the cost will get passed on to the consumer. Small businesses will have less access to capital. This will make it so that the big banks absorb more money. The big banks will get more clients because they're the only ones that can be trusted now. That's the conversation right now in Silicon Valley. My money is so important, I can't trust it with anything smaller than one of the big four because these arrogant pricks. Don't want this to happen again, even though they're getting completely bailed out. I well, just uh, and, I, and there's no, and there's no break. Sorry. This is the last point. There's no breaks to prevent this from happening again. Now, there was there's no reason for any risk mitigation to have ever taken place because except for the people that were employed at Silicon Valley Bank, everybody else is good. You know, it, I, I'm not the blame the rich guys guy, but I, I, I definitely and I'm trying to dig into this more because this is obviously a, a developing story. I'm pretty sure if just like 10 dudes didn't decide to screw these, this bank over, it wouldn't have happened, right? They would have suffered. There would have, you know, shareholders would have lost that equity and stuff like that. But the bank would not, in fact, have had to be taken over, which is literally right, what happened. It's the whales removing their funds is what caused this bank. Right. It, it reminds me a lot of like being a small business and having like a couple clients at a time. But you have like, like one really big client who when they decide that whatever, they're canceling the project... It's it's just like a shock, right? It's a financial shock. It's tough, right? Because you don't want, you know, mom and pop folks. See, the quarter million dollar number is the thing that gets me because I agree with the emotional argument of, well, we don't want to, you know, we don't want the Smiths losing, you know, their $20,000 they've been saving. But when it's like $3.3 billion, I mean, at some point, is there just an implicit infinite guarantee? 
linode.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and it's a great way to support the show while you are checking out fast, reliable cloud hosting, perfect for developers. Try it for your next project. It's what we use for everything we've deployed in the last three years, including our brand new website. We build, deploy, and everything that you see publicly facing is on Linode. I'm so proud of that, too, because we didn't pick it just because of one or two reasons, but it's really all of the Linode reasons that come together. They have super fast rigs. They are their own ISP, and they have just unbelievably great internet connections. They have a ton of great data centers to choose from. They're adding another dozen this year, as a matter of fact. So, I mean, it's like they're going to have even more. So, it's like that's even better and better. And then on the back end, we can take advantage of really useful services like their S3 compatible object storage or the cloud firewall. So we make sure only the right traffic gets to our systems. And with MVME storage, when we're building that system or when we're getting a lot of traffic after an episode comes out, the system continues to perform and stay reliable. And, you know, Linode's been doing this for quite a while and they had to survive on the merit of their product. And I've got friends that have been hosting over there for more than a decade now, and they have multiple systems running over there. I've really been impressed with the reliability, and it's kind of a peace of mind thing to know that they also have fantastic support. When you need it, they're there. 365 days, every single day of the year. If we add a couple extra days to the year, they'll be there. I suppose they'd probably prefer we took a couple of days out, but they'll be there either way, and that's really nice. Plus, they have fantastic documentation and API that is clear, easy to understand, and has lots of example libraries already written. And of course, a UI that's simple and straightforward. It'll save you a ton of time. Just jump right in there and get to what you need, get the information, view your backups, things like that. Like I said, Linode's been doing this for nearly 19 years, so they've really figured out how to get it right. Go try it for yourself. See it for real. Get that $100, support the show, and kick the tires. You just go to linode.com slash coder. That's linode.com slash coder. We have examples of companies like Roku who kept, you know, almost $400 million in a single checking account at Silicon Valley. No risk mitigation there. No due diligence. Everybody knows about the $250,000 FDIC limit, supposedly. You know, I, I think there's that element of it. I'd like to know your thoughts. Like, what about just not doing proper risk mitigation? Should they get bailed out too? Well, should they? They are, right? I mean, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, this whole situation is super weird. Is it, I mean, is it smart to have all your company's assets in one bank account? I'm not sure that it is, right? When you're dealing with those sums of money, which neither of us certainly are, I feel like you have other options than, you know, leave it all in a checking account. Yeah, clearly. You should be putting it all in crypto. These stable coins. <laughs> Do I have a trip to the Bahamas for you? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's weird because, like, I want to say there's a bad guy. But, like, you know, asking finance VC types to not be completely, you know, predatory when they get a shot. It's like asking the alligator in my pond here not to eat fish. Right. I, I agree with you there. I think, you know, if really if there's blame to be had, it might be in. Silicon Valley Bank management, but the Home Depot founder has a take. He has two takes, so let's let's read his first take. Again, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I want to hear your take uh, on his take. Super hot, spicy takes. He says, quote, I can't wait for President Joe Biden to get on the speech again and talk about how great the economy is and how it's moving forward and getting stronger by the day and that this indication and or that or whatever is just not true. 
So first of all, he works in like uh, sort of, I think what he's trying to get at is this denialism about the reality of the economy. And I think I was also taking a crack at that approach when I mentioned that it takes just the 18th bank in the system having issues. And this bank is tiny compared to the top four banks. It takes just this bank, which like the most risky thing they did was buy bonds. Well, I guess that's not true. But one of the riskier things they did for their long-term assets was buy bonds. And that wouldn't, you wouldn't think that would be risky. Uh, he says though, that uh, we just sort of, I think he's implying, and I kind of agree with him, that we're just going on pretending like this isn't a sign that things are beginning to break. Like this isn't obviously a sign that the Federal Reserve raising rates as fast as they have has had major consequences. Don't you think? Like this is it. Only we're not going to, nobody's going to acknowledge it. Okay. So, so this, yeah, no, but see, okay. The problem is not, you know, that this detox period hurts. The problem is that the economy was on heroin for 13 years. It sucks, but maybe it shouldn't have been, right? Maybe, I don't even know what to say, right? I maybe you can't have zero interest rates for 13 years and not expect things to blow up when you have to, what, what, what else could they do? They have to, sure, they could slow down. But it doesn't matter because this is this is already a self-fulfilling prophecy now, right? Companies are looking to cut. They're cutting investment. They're cutting people. They're cutting. It's just it's where we are to the to putting it on Biden. I wish people wouldn't bring the politics into this because a politician is always going to spin the best narrative they have for them. Doesn't matter if they're right or left. Right. Like Biden's not going to go up there and say. Well, you know, things are pretty screwed up and uh, we barely got this thing together. We couldn't get anybody to buy it on Sunday. We tried to do a sale, uh, but nobody would buy it, which this is true. And so we ended up having to do this backstop program that we dare not call a bailout. And, uh, you know, whew, hopefully we don't have to do it for too many more banks, right? Because it's going to get really gnarly if we do. He's not going to say that. No politician would. That would be dangerous. It'd be, it'd, it would create a panic. So I think it's a little ridiculous that he's going after Biden for, you know, basically talking like a politician does. I, I feel like this craziness was a, a bipartisan uh, good time here, right? We really have never recovered from the housing crash in eight. In no, exactly. And it was, it was, it's both sides. Okay, here's the last thing. Here's the one I wanted to get to, though. This is, I think, the spicier take. I just had to clear that out of the way because that felt like the elephant. This guy, his name's like Marcus something. Again, the Home Depot founder. He goes on to say, I feel bad for all of these people that lost all their money in this whole bank. You know, it was more distressing to hear that the bank officials sold off their stock before this happened. It's depressing to me. Who knows whether the Justice Department will go after them? They are a woke company, so I guess not. And they'll probably get away with it. Yeah, he goes on to say that woke policies led to some of their worst investments and that because they are woke, they're not going to get in trouble for it. There is also that little detail he just slips in there about how they sold stock two weeks ago. And issued bonuses to the uh, staff the day that they. Yeah, I feel like if you were going to slap these guys, you just leave the liberal stuff out of it and say, hey, did you notice that all the executives sold their stock like a week ago? Because <laughs> that, that seems to be the smoking gun he's going for there. Yeah, they did it probably right before they you know went public with the raising funds. Yeah, this is this is going to have a big impact on the tech sector. And I feel ultimately bad for the small development shop. Or the small business in general that's going to try to get access to funds over the next few years. Well, additionally, I, I keep uh, hearing this refrain, and I think this is only going to make it faster, where VCs are not just going to be old guys who give you cash anymore. They're going to be almost like a, like a WeWork for running the back end of a business. So like payroll, workman's comp, health insurance. 
And that might seem crazy. Why would the VC want to do it? It's actually cheaper for them. Think about it. And some small businesses do this already. They're, what do they call it? Not co-ops. They're these, uh, where it's like one company is the company that pays you, but you work for not, not contracting. But they're basically like a, a HR, uh, you know, personnel management company that your company would hire. So you don't have to deal with any of like the payroll tax, whatever. You just, you pay obviously they make money you pay an inflated rate think about the scale right because it's a huge pain in the butt you know that's running payroll all this stuff managing all the back end of business you're a vc you can plug founders in and out almost instantly because yeah sure the name of the company could be chris's spaceships llc or that would be corporate or inc but really everybody's paycheck says you know mike's vc firm you know limited partners right it's it's hard to explain, but it effectively makes the startups even more dependent on the venture firms. And it makes little things like getting in a fight with your Series A raiser, funder, almost impossible because they effectively control all your operations. It's going to make the VC money tighter. So the ones that do get funded are going to have so much control and they're going to it's going to consolidate the VC industry, I think. It's going to take a couple of years, uh, but if you played this back in episode 700, I'm confident this will have happened by then. And then I, I'm curious to know if if you think we're going to see um, a really hard time for small businesses for a few years. In fact, I think my ultimate question to you, because I think I know where I stand, is if somebody came to you like privately or they just like wanted to consult with you and they were sitting down over a meal and they said, Mike, I think I want to start a business. And I think I'm going to quit a job and I'm going to go work for myself. Would you tell them don't do it right now? I, w- I would never tell them that. I mean, if, the, you know, if you want to try, you try. I would, I would tell them that it sucks that you didn't do it, you know, four years ago. Yeah. Right? I think I would say, wait, you I don't think say I'd wait. say don't do it. I'd say, wait, don't, don't do it in 2023. See how things are going in 2024. Start planning now. Start making, you know, like a goal list and start working towards it. But don't do it right now. Like if something came up and you needed emergency access to money, there's no guarantee you could get it right now. And if you had to turn to venture, you just Mike just outlined outlaid what a nightmare that's going to be for years. And then there's just the systemic risk of the recession that could be coming now. This just seems like it's just put more weight towards a recession. And we don't know if rate hikes are going to be are going to end anytime soon. So we just don't. It's like everything's just so unknown. And then you add this clear instability and what seems like a tightening access to funding and a more unsure customer market. I just, I couldn't see how anyone, I, I wouldn't do it. I, w- I would at least wait to see how things are going in 2024. And I'd make, I think 2023 is a lost year. See, I, I, I wouldn't uh, go so far as to say it's a lost year. I, I would, it sucks to say this because it's kind of mean. And I, you know, we all wish we could have been Adam Newman really, or I do, right? Have nothing. Just make it up, get a bunch of money, and somehow walk away rich. This, All this stuff that's happening now is, a, is the hangover from the crazy, honestly, I call it the, we were, the yoga bell crap, right? That's what Galloway calls it. But I call it just charming nerd with a hoodie. <laughs> yeah. Or actually, not charming nerd with a hoodie, right? The guy, in fact, if the guy's charming, they probably won't fund him. Adam Newman is a rare outlier. 
that character type that seems to just like people think, oh, well, he must be a genius. He's on the spectrum. And he's, he's playing Fortnite while we're in a business meeting, right? Like it's just right. We, it's almost it's an obvious stereotype now. When we see it in movies, we're going to roll our eyes. But it was actually a thing for a period of time. It's embarrassing. It's uncomfortable to admit it, but it actually worked. It worked, and you know. It, it's easy to beat up on the venture capitalists. They're not wrong to want to like get these founders back in line. Like, you know, the, the relationship is back as, you know, we call it Silicon Valley 1.0. The VCs were very powerful, right? It was a pretty conservative, not politically. I mean, but like they would, if they didn't like what a founder was doing, it stopped, right? The founder, they had a lot of power. Then they went cray cray because of honestly, like the legend of Steve Jobs, really, right? And that culminates in Adam Newman. And I think I think Adam Newman actually needs to get a break. It's SB, it's a Sam Bakeman Fried is the ultimate like crazy one. And now we're just rebalancing. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too zen. I feel like all of this is the interest rates had to be rebalanced and just the power dynamics between venture and founders. I think what has me frustrated, I agree with all of that. Necessary, healthy. I think we needed more. What I would have liked to have seen is maybe some sort of less dramatic bailout, something that was more focused on the individual small business accounts and individual personal accounts, and maybe not like the 30 bill accounts and the 400 mil accounts that were just improperly managed. That's not practical, right? Because, okay. I, I know, but it's like something, but then you don't get the, you it's like you don't get the full forest fire. You 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 have parts now of dead, dry forest that are just going to explode in fire next time there's a lightning strike. I mean, I think if we Wonder Woman lassoed, you know, the Treasury Secretary or Biden himself, right, they would say, yeah, there is an implicit guarantee that bank depositors, no matter the amount, will be bailed out. I think that just is, it's, it's not the law, right? The law says it's a quarter million dollars. It just is a, a fact now. It's a, a de facto rule. That is a huge sea change. Yeah. That's huge, right? Because some of these account numbers have gotten ridiculous. And the, supposedly the money to cover that is accounted for. And there is just no way enough money in that balance. It's something like, what, $29 billion or something is the account? <sighs> I just, I don't know. I, there, there's, this all leads to one direction, and that's money printing. It leads to money printer go burr again. <laughs> well, I think we're going to end up going burr again anyway, right? Unfortunately, I just think, you know, 12 to 13 years is way too damn long. That's, yeah. I, I hate to be reductionist about it and keep going back to the same thing, but all of this and why we keep covering, or I, I keep wanting to cover this on the show is the environment we were living in since 2008 is gone. It's going to take some adaptation and evolution, and it's going to hurt. It's going to suck for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. For especially business owners, but also people that, you know, work at day jobs, nine to fives. Yeah, it's, I mean, the don't expect, you know, the rich finance VC guys to save you because they're not going to. And I, you know, look at the alternative, though. If, if Biden had just said, and really, you know, there's a whole team, right? But I'm not doing it. Uh, everybody gets quarter million dollars if you had that much money. Uh, otherwise, everything burns. They would be pillaring him in the New York Times, on CNN. Yeah. The yeah. loss of value in people's 401ks. They have no choice. Yeah, they have pension no choice. funds. You can't, you can't. Unfortunately, the problem isn't that like the banks are corrupt. You know, like it's not, it's not evil, right? There's not a smoke-filled room. Right, it's, right. 
the banks have proven that actually we are systemically important. And it's just everyone playing to their incentives. Well, right. They, they privatize gains and socialize losses. That's yep. That's, exact- that's what we've done here and we'll continue yep. to do it. The politicians are incentivized because they want to get reelected. They want to do things that are, make them popular. And they don't want to be the politician that was in charge that oversaw, you know, the destruction of the Western economies. Yeah. And it would have destroyed. It would have done a lot of damage. It'd be amazingly. I just logged into CNBC again. Burn, baby, burn. Signature banks going First Republic. Like you have a point that the 16th or 14th, whatever it was, 18th, 18th, it is just having this insane domino effect. It's it's precarious and uh, pretty wild, Um, you know, and. It's a, and we have this new era now. We had we've had these special purpose tools that the Fed will spin up, and now we have the era of the bank term funding program. We're going to hear about the BTFP, you know, like we used to hear about quantitative easing all the time, and all the other programs that they've done. I I don't want mass destruction. At the same time, I feel like I have this strong urge for a healing and a cleansing that needs to happen. <laughs> and I just want to see that. Are you, are you about to, to, is it purge time? Did I hear the siren? <laughs> I feel like it a little bit. And I don't want to see that either. I just, it's just, uh, it feels like we, we've, we've basically, we, we've removed risk. Like once everything settles, it's going to create a whole, it's going to create an environment where these guys can just go crazy risk on again. And if they screw up, they know that they'll, they'll be bailed out and they're going to get bailed out every single time because even a, a tiny bank in comparison to the top, you know, 10, uh, can take out the whole system. So they, they have no, the feds have no choice, but to step in. <laughs> it's such a crazy era. Yeah. I mean, so, so the, so the, the worst thing that's going to happen to the other banks, right. Is, and this, I think this is a little bit of sleight of hand on the treasury department, but it, Apparently, they're, so they're doing a special assessment of federally insured banks from the FDIC should the FDIC incur a loss. What they're saying is everybody, they're going to pass the hat, right? So if the F, but the FDIC gets to say, like, did you incur a loss? I have a feeling their incentives are going to be to say they didn't, right? It's almost like if, you know, you could drive as fast as you want and the ticket's only five bucks. Right. Because I don't. I don't think Bank of America, Goldman, or any of the other big ones are going to care. Oh, our little buddy in California blew himself up. All right, sure, we'll pitch in. You know, here's a million bucks, FDIC, go away. Well, and ultimately, it's going to be more business for them because uh, the money runs to where it's safest and best taken care of, and so it's running to the bigger banks right now. When these people took money out of Silicon Valley Bank, they moved it to one of the top four banks. So the bigger banks are getting these these accounts. It's weird that nobody came in to buy Silicon Valley Bank, though. Yeah, they tried. There must be some nasty stuff on those books that, because you know the government was definitely there, the tre- guys from the Treasury Department, like, hey, guys, want, we want to sell you a bank. Yeah, I don't think, I also think nobody wants extra exposure to crypto mm. and green tech right now, because you have deglobalization from the effects of Ukraine, China, Russia, India, all that going on. And then you've got, uh, obviously, the, 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 the risk of crypto right now and the general negative attitude from the banking industry towards it. I don't think any of these banks want to take either, either one of those problems on. Yeah, I, I think I see that. I mean, I know the green tech stuff. There's been a lot of, well, there was a lot of whisper of like, people are kind of sitting on the sidelines because they think the federal, Build Back Better was supposed to happen, right? The federal government was supposed to just like 
make the money printer go burn, do a bunch of incentives. And yeah, and then these companies would conceivably get, you know, a bunch of sales to those initiatives. Well, a bunch of sales, but also like straight grants, loans, right? Right. Yeah. Projects. That did, yeah, contracts. Did, yeah, con- that did not happen. Yeah, I'm I'm putting it all in JCoin. Go, Jar Jar. <laughs> it's going to be great. Tailscale.com slash coder. Go on now. Get over there. It's great. It's going to get you up to uh, 20 devices for free on a personal account just by going to tailscale.com slash coder. All right. If you're over there now, you're supporting the show, too. We appreciate that. Well, if you don't know, Tailscale is a zero config VPN that you can get up and running on any device in just minutes. It makes traditional VPNs seem old and busted. Tailscale lets you easily manage access to private resources. I do that with my buddy Alex and quickly SSH into devices that are on your network using Tailscale SSH. And most importantly, you can get to any of your systems securely from anywhere in the world. Tailscale is built on top of WireGuard, and devices connect directly to each other using WireGuard's noise protocol encryption, which builds you out a beautiful, flat, mesh VPN network with the best security in the biz. You can get it up and going in just minutes. Doesn't matter if it's a mobile device, a Raspberry Pi, a full-fledged desktop computer, or a VPS. Build a flat network between all your machines even when separated by firewalls, subnets, or even the dreaded double carrier net. Tailscale just works. I can attest to that. And then there's a lot of nice features that make managing your systems a lot simpler. Like Tailscale Send, it's kind of like it's kind of like if you had an airdrop for all your systems regardless of where they're at. It's a great way to like send family documents really quick. Oh, I use Tailscale with my kids' machines too. That's super ha- handy. And I love the cross-device compatibility. I've got it running on Raspberry Pi systems. I've got it running on OpenSUSE Tumbleweed systems. I've got it running on NixOS. I've got it running on macOS. It works across all of them. And now they all have static IPs, which is really powerful. It's retuned the way I view networking. It's changed how I communicate with my systems. And for me, a happy consequence is no inbound ports on my firewalls anymore. None of them. Studio, home, families, networks, none of them. I love it. You're going to love it. Go try it for free for up to 20 machines at tailscale.com slash coder. Support the show and try it out right now at tailscale.com slash coder. Well, we were going to talk a bunch about some iOS development that you've been doing. Uh, we could save some of that for next episode, but I was just curious. Have you gotten a chance to actually get any work done? Have you been mostly taking care of yourself? Oh, I've been working. Have laptop will travel, right? So I have been working C++ and Objective-C, baby, all day long. And you're, you're, you haven't lost your mind? You're, you're feeling good? Oh, no, that, that, that's been gone for a long time. I haven't even worried. I mean, I, I will say that I'm actually opening a digital Objective-C-only bank. Makes sense. If you want to do a transfer, you have to enclose it in brackets. <laughs> you have to match your brackets correctly. Can I invest? This sounds like something I should invest in. <laughs> Honestly, it's safer than a lot of the things out there. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> no yeah it's been it's been going good it's uh you know there's something i'm going to talk about a little more maybe next episode or maybe in a week there's something jarring about the elegance and beauty of objective c being right next to c plus plus just gonna let me have that one well i'm curious i want to keep i want to hear you keep going i'm laughing it's you know objective c it's it flows right it's like poetry where c plus plus is like cleaning up vomit with sawdust oh okay okay i see there you go. That's it. I didn't even mention Swift yet. Four score and seven boosts to go. Gilgalrath came in. Get ready for this. Holy smokes. Brace yourself. 
I'm not ready for this, but it's true. 203,000 sacks. I've been listening uh, since the early days, maybe back when you and Noah were running around with cameras and microphones handing out USB sticks. Happy episode 500. Go to radio. Thank you. Thank you, Giggleworth. Uh, Noob Steve came in with 45,000 sats. Nom nom. Thank you, sir. I hoard that which your kind covet. Uh, Noob wanted us to know that he has got his robe and he is hyped about it. So uh, I did a meetup two weeks ago as we record now. Everybody here at JB showed up in our Coda robes to the meetup. The awesome thing about it is we didn't even pre-plan it. We all just brought our robes. Wes showed up with his robe. We all had our robes with us and we all just put them on and we all showed up with our robes and it was, it was great. And it made it really easy for people to find us too. Uh, people were looking for you. I, I told them you don't live here, you live in Florida. I'm, I'm in the swamp. Tim Apple comes in with 10,000 sats. Uh, wow. Thank you, Tim. Damn those who say Ruby is dead and shares a link saying that uh, in 2023, Ruby developers seem to be in high demand according to hired.com. All right. Ruby, baby. Yeah, Ruby. Ruby. Scala? Above Go, huh? Hmm. Huh. And it looks like if you're in the uh, San Francisco area, you should expect around 180K. If you're in the Seattle area, 169K. Wait, man, what the? Like, it's that much cheaper here? Give me a break. It is not. Let me tell you. In New York, 162. Wow. You can make more money in San Fran than New York? That that seems... I mean, I believe it, but man, that place is crazy. That's crazy over there. Cost of living sucks up there too. That's really, it does. I mean, the cost of living sucks on the entire West coast though. Mm. I feel like California gets all the credit for crappy cost of living, but let me tell you, my friend, not cheap here either. Marcel comes in with some enterprise sats, 1701. Fun will now commence. (laughs) Glad you are feeling better, Mike. Take care of yourself. Goes on to say with another 1701 sats, I despise modern cars. This goes back to our story about Ford's new patent. With this Ford story, you really don't own the car anymore. My first ever boost to Coda Radio was about being a stranded six hours from home, and my car needed a $1,600 computer repair. My parents just got a stupid car that beeps when you put it in reverse like a truck. To hear, it's not even loud enough to hear outside, but you know what? There's no way to turn it off. I like to drive but I don't think I'm ever going to get another car. We were chatting about this uh, after the show. It's like, if I had to get a new car today, I don't know what I would buy. And now, now that I like to fantasize about becoming a, a car mechanic one day, I also I try to think about it from a repairability standpoint. And that really is a rabbit hole. It is, it is rough out there. It is rough, my friends. Uh, and then Marcel followed up with one final 1701 boost. He says, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on donations right from the app store. I don't think it helped the core JS guy. I can't really think of a great solution for libraries. Mike, have you seen that Flathub has announced that they're, they're going to do paid apps through Flathub and um, they're working out the model now, but they're trying to create a paid app store that works across all Linux distributions at flathub.org. The reason why they think they've cracked it this time is because it's distribution neutral and it's packaging format neutral in the sense that it's not like based on devs like the Ubuntu store was in their repository or the click and run store, which was also based on devs and their repository. It is instead a flat pack, which brings with it 
a kind of a guaranteed target for developers because you can target a runtime inside Flatpak, like this version of GTK, this version of the NVIDIA driver, this specific, you know, library, and then send it all up as a Flatpak and then supposedly runs across all distros, which, I mean, I shouldn't say supposedly it does. So they think they've cracked it because of that stack. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you uh, you actually sound optimistic. And I hope we got to get these devs paid, right? I agree. I agree. It, um, I was talking to Robert McQueen, who's trying to put all this together on Unplugged 501 that came out on Sunday. And uh, it sounds like his his idea is to create something that maybe supports one-time and membership systems. So like, a, or a subscription, I should say. Um, we'll see. I know people are a little f- subscription fatigued, but I could see it being applicable in, op- in the open source development world. Purple Dog comes in with a row of duckaroos, which uh, I always like, of course. Thank you very much. And here's something for your trouble. When I saw that Ford patent, I immediately decided I would never buy a Ford again, even if it had that system or not. I wouldn't feel like I ever actually owned the car. Even if I had no finance, how could I guarantee the dealership isn't just going to track me anyways? The only thing you can guarantee is that one day that system will get hacked. Even if it works perfectly, it's going to increase the sticker price with no benefit to me. That's true. That tech also adds weight, you know, and I know that sounds like a silly thing to say, but in the world of EVs, every ounce matters. You know, it adds complexity to the computer system. It's more software. Is Ford going to send out updates to that tracking system? Are they going to do over-the-air upgrades to make sure that any vulnerabilities get patched? Are they going to accidentally uh, carjack somebody? I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like that's guaranteed to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a wild world we live in. Uh, the Golden Dragon comes in with a row of ducks. He says, quote, the wiring is provided by the Linux Foundation, talking about the centralization of open source. He says, that's a savage moment, but you aren't wrong. I also agree with Mike here. Time is valuable. And we all have a limited amount of it. Even with me, my normal job, I barely have enough time to do my side biz. And that super stinks. And he says, but um, if I've learned anything over the last 12 years, this is an additional row of ducks. It's that taking time for yourself is very important. However, how does one acquire that time when life goes burr? Great show. That it does feel like that. I try to keep perspective, but if you and I are lucky enough to make it to like 55, 60, 65, we're going to look back at this time as like, great, right? Don't you think? I hope. Maybe. I mean, that would require the country not to implode. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll look back and be surprised we survived. But I always look back and think, I'm not going to, my kids aren't going to be living with me. They're not going to be around. They're going to be off having their own lives. I imagine it's going to be like just a couple of shows left at JB, whoever survives. <laughs> and, you know, that's it. It's going to be really simple. And I'll look back and think there was so much going on. And of course, by then, we're all living on a Bitcoin standard because eventually people have taken enough pain. Well, no, I think I think just a Microsoft taste slash Sydney takes over and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all get our entertainment by passing summarized messages back and forth via chatbots. I think it's going to be nice, honestly, because that's all I really got time for anyways. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. If you want to send a boost into the show, I honestly think, that, you know, you could go get, you know what, here's what, here's what I'm going to just recommend. The recommended path for me is get Albie.com. You get Albie, you top it off, and then you go find Coda Radio on the podcast index and you just boost in from the webpage. However, that's my, my disclaimer. So you don't have to switch podcast apps. However, there are rumors floating 
that several very popular podcast apps will be adding value for value support in the future and other podcasting intuitive features. So I'll update you on that. One that I've loved for years is working on it right now. Uh, but there's a bunch of brand new apps that are really pushing the edge of what podcasting apps can do at newpodcastapps.com. Podverse is pretty great. It's GPL. It's cross-platform. You know, I, I, I'll be playing a podcast on my Nexus and I'll hit pause and I'll lose it. You know, I'll set it down somewhere and I'll lose it, but then I'll find my iPhone. <laughs> I'll unlock my iPhone. I'll open up Podverse and I'll just resume the podcast. It's really nice. Uh, so that's over there uh, as well as a bunch of other great apps. And uh, you can send a boost in with those apps as well. It's just a great way to get your message into the show and share a little value with the pod. Keep us going. It's a little way to say thanks for each individual episode. And of course, if you want to invest long-term in the ongoing production, you can become a member at coderqa.co. We owe them a coderly, which we are going to get to conceivably at some point, assuming we make it before the coder coderly window closes for the quarter. We'll make it. You know, we'll, maybe. We'll see. I feel like the members would would prefer that you survive and live. So that, you know, that'll be where we will focus on living and then we're going to attempt to get. I am sailing on the silver moon. I don't know where I'm going with this. I think I just. uh... The silver gate moon of Silicon Valley Bank. (laughs) I'm just a weight egg in the blood, really. No, I'm kidding. And, and, you know, your boy, J-Pow, he's a bit of a silver fox. So he is. uh, Speaking of silver foxes, Bill Ackman, if you want a really funny, kind of weirdly a hysterical Twitter thread. He's got you. Yeah. Also, since when can you do like two thousand word tweets? Oh man, I know. And boy, are these guys do you taking advantage of it? I'm like, have you guys it's, heard of a blog? You could just do that. It'd be much easier. To if, read. You, if you want to see uh, a grown ass adult man, uh, rich as a nation, have a meltdown on Twitter. It was bad. It was. <laughs> it's a good weekend for it. He was real <laughs> upset. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was interesting. I, you know, I found it. I found it kind of compelling all weekend long, watching all the hot takes kind of digesting what was happening and then ultimately to see it all go down this morning as we record and ultimately to see the only possible outcome being the one you didn't want that to happen yeah <laughs> uh anyways members coderqa.co if you want to sign up thank you very much or uh, jupiter.party if you want to sign up for the whole network mike is there anywhere you want to send the good people this week i'll go to at on the mastodons and the twitters hey all right at Coda Radio Show on the Twitters, at Chris Last for me. So there. Of course, links to what we talked about today will be at coder.show slash 508. And you can come hang out in our Matrix community, coder.show slash Matrix. Not only are we in there throughout the week, but that's also the place to hang while the show is live on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, over at Jupiter.to. But of course, we got links to subscribe to the show so you can get it whenever you want at coder.show. That's how RSS works. And we think that's pretty neat. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Coda Radio Program. See you right back here next week.